0: Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at RoastHousePub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. I'm your host, Chris Sands. This is episode 63, and helping me out this week with our very special guest is Liz Murphy from the amazing Naptown Pite.
1: Hi, thank you for having me back.
0: So not only did she drive out from Annapolis today, but also Peter Francho, the Comptroller of Maryland, is here to talk about all of the great things that we are going to try to have happen this year for Maryland's breweries.
2: Actually, I just came out to say hi to Carly Ogden. Oh,
0: (laughs) well, never mind. I guess we're done. Yeah, no, she's
2: uh, (laughs) such a firecracker because she obviously owns one of these great family-owned breweries, Attaboy Beer. Uh, It happens to make a Golden Fields beer that I really like, and uh, I know that some of the connoisseurs are always critical of this beer or that beer, but I think it's great, and uh, I wish her and her family well because they're struggling to do exactly what every other small craft brewery is doing, which is make great products, sell it to consumers, grow. Nothing's guaranteed to them. They only survive by their grit smartness and they put their own money into it so yeah i'm out here to um, check in with all of you guys liz obviously is a iconic figure figure in the uh, craft brewing industry her NapTown pint is one of the all-time great uh, blogs and um, it's very helpful and i'm happy to uh, be here with you chris and answer any questions you have yeah i drove up but maybe i can get a beer at the end of the day
0: (laughs) Well, yes, because afterwards, um, we have, I believe you have a few things you're doing today, but then this evening you'll be having a happy hour at um, Rockwell Brewery to talk about the Reform on Tap task force and the battle ahead.
2: Well, it's going to be a battle we win, I guarantee you that, because uh, why wouldn't any reasonable person want to help these small family-owned businesses? They're being put upon by the out-of-state corporate beer interests and they're folks that they control down in annapolis and they have ridiculous things on their top of their problems that they already have and challenges of making great beer and selling it and generating economic activity uh you know here's just one provision if you're a small craft brewer in maryland and you want to distribute the beer that you produce uh, and you have a a tap room which is uh for Uh, producing more than 2,000 barrels, and you may want to sell another 1,000 barrels at your tap room, you have to find a distributor, sign a contract with them, which is for life, let's be honest, because it's under the Maryland Franchise Law. And, uh, for example, now uh, under the new law, you have to take beer that you're allowed to uh, sell another 1,000 barrels to your consumers, but only if you sell it to the distributor first – have him come and pick it up and deliver it to his warehouse, put it down on the ground, ra- jack the price up, and then bring it back to you and resell it to you. This is your beer that you produce with your labor. You want to sell it at your tap room, And there's a Maryland law that says, uh, number one, you can never, ever separate from your agreement with this franchise person. Well, let's be honest, you can, but it it's such a long divorce period well, yeah that's why I think uh, you go out of business so, I think for
0: anyone listening that doesn't understand why that is, I think we should explain that there there are ways to get out of it. It's what, a 90, ninety day whatever whatever hundred eighty it, days. days So hundred and eighty days, th- but if you give notice to that distributor that you want to break your relationship during that hundred and eighty days. It's almost a guarantee they're not going to put any effort into selling your beer, well, which makes it a pretty unattractive uh, route for
2: uh, a brewery to go. I didn't mean to get down in the de- uh, weeds so quickly. Also, <laughs> but it tends to happen with this ser- topic. <laughs> seriously, this is just insane. Well, I felt like that this... was one we needed to, though, because yeah, some I people do. Should.
0: that. That's, that's I think that's one of the points that people often don't understand. But then another point I wanted to make is that it was during one of the Reform on Tap uh, task force meetings where I can't remember who it was, but someone said, if you just take the word beer and replace it with milk, that will illustrate just how ridiculous some of these laws are.
2: Well, look, and of course you have to have some regulations because beer is not milk. It's an alcoholic product. We vigilantly regulate the public safety and public health uh, provisions of the alcohol law that's my job as your comptroller and um, you know we if anything, we get a better response from the craft brewers than we do from other folks. but that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is just raw protectionism where these corporate interests are used to getting their own way. They don't want these craft brewers to flourish unless they're their craft brewers that they're bought. And uh, they happen to have the uh, votes in Annapolis to do just about anything. And it's uh, a shame, but it puts us, uh, who are advocates for the craft brewing industry, uh, somewhat in a disadvantage when you look at it. But the reason I'm so optimistic about this is that, you know, we have the most anti-competitive, anti-consumer craft beer uh, system in the country. It's outrageous. And everybody else, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Virginia, D.C., they have none of this uh, thicket of uh, laws and regulations.
0: Right. And, I mean, Pennsylvania is an extremely friendly state for – at least to the manufacturing side of it. It gets a little
2: yeah. hairy
0: yeah. as it goes down the chain. But for the manufacturer
2: manufacturing of it, it is a very friendly state. For so what carriers. I liked about Carly Ogden, I mentioned that at the beginning – She speaks truth to power, and she doesn't take any guff from these folks. And Flying Dog, uh, I know recently, uh, backed off a $54 million expansion. That should never happen in the state of Maryland. Uh, We just need to get competitive with our regional partners, and then we need to advertise ourselves as one of the best states in the country uh, to uh, brew craft beer. Will it require some dynamite down there in Annapolis? Sure. Sure but hey, it's an election year.
1: So I actually wanna go back to something that you mentioned briefly because one of the things that has been interesting leading up to this session is the fact that we are basically drowning in editorial thought pieces about the 18,000 reasons why we should be holding craft brewers down and sort of keeping them in their lane with the regulations we currently have in place. And the one that you mentioned is one that struck me recently, which is the public health argument, um, because alcohol-related deaths have been on the rise. But I would really love to hear from you in your words how what we're trying to do with the Reform on Tap Act of 2018 isn't at odds with public safety.
2: Well, I'm the chief alcohol regulator, and I'm in charge of enforcing a lot of the safety laws underage drinking, and I do that very vigorously and very vigilantly. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is, look, there's a set amount of beer that's going to be consumed in the state of Maryland, and uh, right now a lot of it is coming in from out of state. And what I'm suggesting is that Maryland craft-based brewery is much better for Maryland-based family-owned businesses and it's much better for the Maryland state economy where despite all of the disadvantages of our regulatory regulations and laws we still have almost an 800 million dollar sector here uh, producing 6,500 jobs 258 million dollars in wages for Marylanders that money is local it is uh, when it's when it's done like this uh, in these American manufacturing uh breweries uh, it really promotes uh, more economic activity than the out-of-state stuff so when any legislator or any uh, official stands up and says this is an issue not about uh, competition and protectionism it's an issue about public health Mm -hmm. and the kids just substitute in there no it's really about the money for you guys because every year the alcohol interests are shaken down by the legislative leaders down there in Annapolis. They make a living off of, uh, well, it's not just the alcohol people, it's everybody is shaken down. And, uh, you know, these corporate interests have unfortunately set up shop and they passed the bill that was the genesis of all of this revolution, I guess, on the behalf of the craft brewers and uh, i'm happy to be a champion i love the fact that liz and chris you and others are uh, i'm you know speaking out on this but there's no confusion this is not a public health issue this is just a raw political power issue and that's why i think we're going to win
0: yeah i would think if if we were really concerned about public health as it being the problem that We'd be fighting to limit the sale of 40s of malt liquor instead of craft beer made in Maryland. Because I'm sure there's a lot. There, there are a lot. If you want to make the argument that it's a, a public health issue, there are a lot worse things being sold in a store than a craft beer in the alcohol segment. Yeah,
2: and we're fought against uh, powdered alcohol and caffeinated. Uh beer products and other alcohol products that's not the issue at all uh, I obviously have a lot of respect for the public health community uh, that's not what this is about this is a not, not about more alcohol this is about who produces it and uh, who deserves the a level playing field and not what they are right now is under the thumb of their competition and uh, we're trying to level it out um, if, uh, I am, have reason to be optimistic in the legislature, but we can always go to the people, big, o- ele- big elections this year.
1: I always found that the public health argument a little bit interesting as well, since I felt like during the reform on tap task force meetings, we heard quite a bit of, well, people aren't going to be consuming more alcohol and that's just the way it is. So it's pointless to try to adjust the share of who is making what and when and why.
2: No, this is all about uh, we have the status quo. We benefit financially from the status quo. We're not going to let you change it because we've made so many contributions to these powerful legislators in Annapolis. All, all we're doing is opening it up, letting a little sunlight in, and um, I think it will disinfect the place pretty fast. But uh, there are a bunch of other... Um, priorities that everybody's looking at including the tax reform bill and other things that we're heavily involved in it's not to suggest that craft beer is not a priority for me it is
0: that's a uh, carly has spent a decent amount of time on the internet posting a rundown of um, campaign contributions from big beer and uh, to and from distributors and the list is very long and some of the numbers are pretty high so I think it plays into exactly what you were saying, that there's definitely a lot of money that is coming into play of why this protectionism is
2: taking place. If anyone wants to know what's going on in Annapolis, follow the money. And, and you, you, you said it, Chris. And, uh, you know, there's a lot there. It's very unfortunate. It's part of politics, I guess. I obviously raise money. Uh, uh, as an elected official in order to keep my seat but I like to think of myself as an independent person not at the beck and call of somebody who just pulls out a dog whistle and tells me what to do
0: and then I think uh, a big a big uh, like a side problem in this debate is that the breweries really have most breweries have to walk this fine line of how much they say cuz they st- have that for life relationship with the distributor that they want these laws changed with because they there's real recourse
2: that they can face um and that's, i think that's why god created liz murphy and carly ogden yeah
0: and, and i was going to say and carly is in this unique position yeah. where she doesn't mind speaking her mind 100 percent, and their business model doesn't rely on a distributor relationship so she doesn't have to worry about who she offends by saying what in we talked to them a decent amount yesterday and the big part of what they're saying is because most of these laws and things they don't affect them but they're a big proponent of it's just not right it's that they're in this fight because it's just not right
2: well it does affect the state's economy though yes so why these elected officials attack these small family-owned businesses when they're not asking for money, like everybody else in Annapolis, everyone goes down there with their hand out and says, give us taxpayers money. That's not what the breweries are doing. They're just saying, get out of our way. And so ultimately I think that will penetrate through and uh, we'll see some progress here. The two fundamental issues for me are that franchise law that has to be turned into contract law, which is how the distilleries and the wineries operate with their distributors. That's the way the breweries should be able to do it, and then this buyback provision is something out of um, Stalin's Russia.
0: Yeah, that seems to be just one of the weirdest. I get, and I guess it must have been just a completely last-minute compromise that was no, it put wasn't in a compromise.
2: It's an example of them doing or a fake stuff. compromise. No, they, it's a perfect example of Annapolis where they do something like this just because they can, and it's a message which is uh, you either knuckle under and shut up and stop complaining, or we're really going to put you out of business. And uh, it's phony because they don't have the power they think they do. Only a couple of these folks in Annapolis. So the rank-and-file delegates and senators hopefully will get the message and not uh, just march along in lockstep without – Supporting Carly and her cohorts all over the state. I mean, I feel like I'm in ground zero up here in Frederick County. <laughs> yeah. It's the
0: East Coast capital of craft beer. Yeah. Well, God bless Frederick County, <laughs> I,
2: Frederick City, and everything else.
1: I find it interesting that, the, especially with the buyback provision, because it, again, the arguments, depending on who you're talking to, shift all over the place as to why something is good or bad or neutral. But when it came to the buyback provision, I remember I read somewhere. Uh, Delegate Derek Davis talking about, well, it doesn't matter, you know, nobody's really getting near the limits anyway, so why are we having this conversation? And I had a great conversation with Alec Ross, who's a Democratic candidate for governor, and he put it so well when he said, well, of course nobody's ever going to butt up against the limits because just by virtue of the fact that they exist— They're never going to build out – it's completely financially irresponsible to build out infrastructure that would allow you to even get close.
2: Sure, and we talked about Flying Dog putting off or putting on permanent hold its expansion. That's part of it right there because they don't have confidence they're going to be able to do what they want to do. How about Union Craft in Baltimore City where we desperately need manufacturing jobs to get – all of the challenges that Baltimore City dealt with. They just bought 140,000-square-foot former Sears Roebuck distribution facility. It's a craft brewery. 140,000-square-foot yeah. warehouse in the middle of a very challenged neighborhood of Baltimore that would never, ever see what this brewery is going to do um, from any other American enterprise because it's so... Uh, off the beaten path. Anyway, they were going to put a very large tap room in. Now they're putting a much smaller taproom in based on what the legislature has signaled with the legislation last year. Yeah, because
0: even with, with what they are doing, it's a huge leap of faith because they, I mean, if with exactly. the shaky ground, it, it it's a leap of faith that it's going to turn out well for them.
2: All I'm saying is this... in Annapolis has an impact on the state's economy. Instead of an $800 million economic sector, home, uh, these craft brewers, could be double, triple, or or quadruple that. And the jobs could also double, triple, and quadruple. Why aren't we saying, hey, this is great? It's you guys who are risking things. There's no guarantee that you make a beer and you have a company and you distribute it, that people are gonna like it, and that you're gonna succeed. So this is called capitalism. It's kind of a funny system, but don't you think we should let it exist here rather than coming in and saying, oh, no, you guys all have to knuckle under. You have to do this, this, and this. Oh, and by the way, just to show you that we can do anything we want, we're going to put in some of these stupid things like the buyback provision, and we're not going to listen to you about the franchise law because, well, why should we? We have you under our thumb.
1: Well, I love that you brought up the uh, union collective expansion too, because while it, it's it's a negative, obviously that they've had to be somewhat more restrained in ha- their growth footprint of what they were going to put in there with their tap room but at the same time I think what they're doing there speaks to why Maryland craft breweries are so wonderful for the community because I think one thing that we should mention here is that the space that they're moving into is not just for them they are actually creating a space for Baltimore makers and creatives to be able to sell locally created products to the community at large. And I think that's something that's very special. They could have just as easily picked a larger space to put their brewery in, but instead they made the conscious community-focused decision to create a space for them and for others that are, many of them, not alcohol-related whatsoever.
2: No, I can't wait to visit the new bakery.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
2: the point that I was trying to make, and Liz, I think you and Chris recognize this, is that uh, it could be so much greater if we could just recognize their entrepreneurship and understand that the uh, impediments that we're putting in their way don't make any sense and they could easily be – an ordinary set of voters that go sat down and looked at this situation would say, oh, it's pretty obvious. You just have to level the playing field and let these people uh, engage in the free enterprise system. That's supposedly what we have once again, I'll take care of the public safety issues, the regulations that protect the public interest. That's not what this is about. This is a bunch of special interests who have wormed their way into Annapolis. And it's not the legislators telling the lobbyists what to do. It's the lobbyists telling the legislators what they're going to do and barely giving them time to even read the bill. They just put it in front of them and say, vote for it.
0: But let's take a real quick break to um, thank Roast House Pub. And then I'd like to get into maybe some more specifics of the uh, Reform on Tap Act. And then you can let me know when your hard out is. Then we make sure we end on time. Well, we're going to bore people to death. No, nah, <laughs> no one's going to be bored. But um, once again, thank you, Roast House Pub. Um, they have a couple amazing things coming up. The Kushwa Beer Dinner, which... If you've never been to one of Roast House Pub's uh, beer dinners, absolutely you should go. They are amazing. And on January 30th, Cushwa will be the featured beer. I don't think the menu's been posted yet, but I'm sure, as with every one of them, it'll be great. Tickets are currently available on January 25th. Mom's Spaghetti Dinner Night will be a battle between Monoxie Brewing and uh, Diamondback Brewing Company. And once again, thank you, Roast House Pub. I think the last time you were on, you went and had lunch or dinner
2: at the Roast House Pub. Fabulous place, and I love Frederick because it's such a, you know, zesty uh, environment, full of these craft brewers, craft wineries, craft distilleries. Uh, this is the future for a big chunk of Maryland manufacturing. We keep talking about oh, whatever happened to manufacturing? Where are the steel companies? Hey. <laughs> These are the steel companies of the future. And one thing about Frederick in
0: general is that it is a lot of it's it's built a lot on small businesses. There are a lot of small locally owned businesses in Frederick. And I think in a lot of this debate, that's something that may get lost sometimes is that they keep just everyone just saying breweries. But really, they are small businesses that are just Asking for, as you've said multiple times, a level playing field to battle the Goliaths of the huge corporations that have stacked the deck against them.
2: No, that's a good public interest. We want to promote small businesses. That's what I do as comptroller. Uh, obviously, I'm the tax collector, but I also promote small businesses. That's seventy percent of the state's economy. No, not breweries, just alone, yeah. but they're part of that sector. So why not reach out and help them, particularly when uh, they are the subject of such a cynical attack as House Bill 1283 was uh, at the end of last session? That's what got my goat. And, uh, you know, I was in the legislature for many years. I understand exactly what's going on and uh, needs a good dose of sunlight good uh, good involvement by average voters who say, this is Maryland. We're not going to put up with these uh, special interests coming in and, and uh, ruining something which is potentially very beneficial for the state's economy.
0: So there's two things um, I think we want to talk about. One, there's the petition. There's oh, yeah. the uh, petition that we want to ask people if you believe in supporting the craft breweries to go on to the, I think probably the best place to find it is go to the Reform on Tap task force, uh, Reform on Tap uh, Facebook page, and then they go on, sign this petition to show your support for the comptroller's initiative to back the breweries.
2: Yeah, they can go, Chris, to taxes spelled out. Maryland, spelled out, taxes, T-A-X-E-S and there's an icon there to sign the petition we're trying to get 6,500 signatures by february 1st that's the number of jobs that are currently represented in the state of maryland by craft brewers and that once again is just the uh beginning so uh urge everybody to uh you know go online and and uh do the right thing at least sign up and indicate uh support uh for uh, the petition that we're going to deliver
1: when do you guys plan on announcing the petition results?
2: February 1st. And that's yeah. the
1: kickoff of February, the Maryland Craft Brewers Month?
2: I yeah. believe it is. there What about this for an idea? Why don't we take uh, Maryland-crafted alcohol products, uh, spirits, wine, and beer, these wonderful family-owned wineries and distilleries and breweries, give them a week uh, tax-free to sell their products to Marylanders? I'd, just I just as a, would, uh, hey by the way here's something that's really cool and it really helps us a lot you buy a bottle of bud light made god knows where in st louis somewhere that is useless as far as economic activity in the state of maryland all that money goes back out of the state maybe a little bit goes to some small distributorship somewhere but uh you know, you buy a a um, locally brewed craft beer and you're doing something for the state's economy. It's the patriotic thing to do is buy local.
0: It's a uh, flying dog now in their tap room has a big graphic up on the wall explaining the difference to – buying anything produced locally, the amount of impact that has on your local community, as opposed to purchasing something that's been manufactured elsewhere. And it is, it's a,
2: as you said, it's a drastic difference. If you want to help uh, Jim Caruso, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: yeah, I'm going to get him an armed escort though. (laughs) He's like speaking truth to power. And he's he's not one to bite his tongue. And you know, they moved from Colorado. Yeah. Uh, 2007. I hope I never see the day that any of it moves out of Maryland.
0: So the the press release for the Reform on Tap Act is a 12 point things of you that you want to accomplish. When when I guess the first question is when do we expect to see that legislation put forth?
2: Well, the legislation has been drafted. It's been introduced. Uh, There are meetings going on. I'll be meeting with some of the legislative leaders, uh, other folks. There's an excellent, uh, obviously, the Brewers uh, uh, Trade Association has hired lobbyists. These are lobbyists that have white hats on. (laughs) But uh, they're good. They're professional, and everybody's going to get lined up. And uh, I assume that the legislature will objectively consider the 12-pack of reforms, and we'll get a vote on each and every one of them. And that's all I'm really asking. I assume if there is a vote that uh, they will all pass because they're not radical. They're just common sense, free enterprise, capitalists, uh, leveling the playing field, as Liz was saying. So um, uh, we'll see. There's a lot of uh, gossip and you know, kind of commentary going on, but that's typical. Mm-hmm. That's typical for Annapolis.
0: Well, yeah, there's definitely been the bluster from uh, Representative Bush uh, coming out publicly attacking. Should the alcohol
1: the regulator <laughs> regulate alcohol? Yeah, that's really kind of the question.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's a good point. Uh, and we've done a darn good job, as I mentioned, because I've got a terrific enforcement division in my agency, and we pay a lot of attention. We regulate petroleum and tobacco, also. And these are important issues. I mean, I'm, I'm sensitive to them because uh, drunk driving, underage driving, these are public interest issues. But to suggest that uh, somehow that they are part of this debate is uh, very unfortunate and but typical of Annapolis because they never want to talk about the real reason, which is that they're doing the bidding of uh, people that have – essentially got the legislature by the throat
1: so the only question i really have about this and again this is a more of a devil's advocate question but when you look through the bullet points that you have in the reform on tap act a lot of it is no limits no limits no limits in fact i remember the name of the publication when this was introduced was called a world without limits and some have said that the idea of no limits as part of a a banner head for this legislation really, again, comes up against the idea that alcohol is, in fact, a regulated product and you can't have those two exist together.
2: Well, that's their point, I guess. Yeah. But my point is that the opposition is completely disingenuous because it's all about money and special interests and who benefits from the current system and how do we maintain and preserve that at all costs. And now that we've established that we can preserve it, the big beer interest, let's teach these little upstarts a lesson. Let's put in that buyback provision cuz not only does it not make any sense obviously it generates all sorts of uh ridic- ridicule but who cares cuz we can do it we have the power well let's see
0: So uh, <clears throat> that you've mentioned that one and you've mentioned the um the franchise law correct are are those the two of the 12 parts of the 12-pack that you consider the most important to take care of right now?
2: Well, they're the two priorities for me because they're the most onerous parts, and yeah. they're the easiest to communicate how absurd this situation is. And those for two are second.
0: ones that are actively yeah, affecting so, people. So that,
2: those are good. But the other uh, 10, uh, I, I'd like the whole 12-pack to pass because why shouldn't uh, local authorities regulate the hours of operation for the tap taproom? Yeah. I mean, once again, uh, this is not some kind of done deal. When people uh, enter into this business, they make a lot of money. They don't. They have to have a tap room. They have to have normal hours at the tap room. All they're selling is their own beer.
0: Well, it's it's funny you say that because Graham and I were at one of uh, Maryland's larger craft breweries uh, over the weekend. And there was a brewer from another uh, brewery there, and they were talking. And I can't remember how it even came up. But the one owner said, that like, a lot of people think that we make a ton of money. And the other guy just laughed. He's like, actually, really, at the end of the year, I made a lot of beer. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he's no like, kidding. We're, yeah. we're not really making a lot of money. We're making a whole lot of beer. Well, that's
1: a joke. You talked to Justin yeah. Bonner at a jailbreak. Yes, you go into craft beer for fame and fortune, yeah. <laughs> and then everybody just starts laughing about and then commiserating about how they're never home.
2: <laughs> well, well, hats off to uh, those folks because – Uh, They employ Marylanders. They they generate tax revenue at the state and local level, which pays for education and all these things we care about. They persevere despite these absurd restrictions on them. And uh, they're willing to – they're not – you're right. They're they're a little bit uh, constrained by the fact that they're dependent for their existence on the people who are – who I'm attacking. Well, I'm happy to help out. And um, I applaud every one of them who were involved in this, even a little bit, because it's dangerous for them. Uh, they've invested and risked everything in many instances. And, uh, yeah, they are under the thumb of these out-of-state uh, people and their, and their lobbyists. Well, maybe we can change it this year.
0: Well, I think uh, you alluded to it is a very big election year this year. Um, so if you are someone, and I imagine if you are watching or listening to this, you love craft beer as much as we do, and you love the people
2: who produce it. They're great people. Um, let me appeal directly to uh, everybody. I don't care if you voted for Hillary Clinton or for Donald Trump. That's not the issue. The issue is Beer craft beer yes. it's wonderful
1: it's the great equalizer <laughs> you know
2: put down your cudgels on other issues and all the frustration you feel you know a b and c just forget it and focus in on this go down and sign this petition get other people to sign it come down to annapolis help us at the hearings uh speak truth to power call your representatives
0: let them know you 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 support small businesses getting a fair shake
1: i do have one question though sure. and this is one i've actually gotten quite a bit which is, you know, we saw a groundswell of grassroots consumer support once people started realizing what was happening with House Bill 1283 last year. Uh, And I'm curious, what would you say to craft beer enthusiasts who want to explain the importance of this issue to people who may not be craft beer drinkers?
2: Well, tell them that this is the uh, fastest growing form of manufacturing in the state of Maryland that exists. I mean, beer is manufactured. At these eighty-five uh, craft breweries, and uh, it's every bit as much manufacturing as the uh, Bethlehem Steel was, and there are a lot of jobs, a lot of economic activity. That's what we're trying to promote. We want our state to be economically viable.
1: Not only that, it helps our local farmers as well. I mean, well, fundamentally, at the end of the day, beer is an agricultural product.
2: And well, more and here. more and more
0: of the people that I've ha- I have come in and talked to, the. The whole infrastructure has grown enough in Maryland for producing um, hops and bar- malted barley. Now there are mal- maltsters in Maryland that are producing a good enough product that a, a normal thing for almost everyone that comes in and says is that they are making more and more Maryland-sourced uh, beers. That yeah. they're So they're helping the agriculture
2: in Maryland also. Absolutely. But here's the real argument. Pennsylvania, Virginia, Delaware, D.C. would love to have all our breweries. They would roll the red carpet out for them. They've already been over here recruiting them based on what the legislature did. So, guys, wake up down there. Correct the damage that you did. Level out the playing field. You're not giving any advantage to the craft brewers. You're just letting them, as I say, um, do what they're good at, making great beer. But we're not putting ourselves where Maryland is some kind of uh, unattractive, unwelcoming place for craft brewers, surrounded by states that are over here saying, "Hey, come over! If if they don't like you, come over to us." Yeah,
0: and I think to answer your previous question is that not only supporting agriculture, but the I mean, everyone likes people to be employed. Jobs and are good. There was <laughs> was it six thousand five hundred and. 41 jobs currently and as every brewery is growing those are more and more jobs and they're not they are jobs across the the spectrum mm-hmm. sales jobs uh quality control jobs to and packaging and
2: no that's great chris but here's the, uh, another great reason millennials people in their 20s and 30s who are very mobile and live all over the country and frankly could live anywhere they want because that's just the millennial generation they love craft beer why not advertise the state as a, uh, as a mecca for these folks to come and both as tourists and sample our products, but also as entrepreneurs if they want to open a brewery themselves. Instead, we we'll are put a big neon sign up out there, uh, you know, in Cumberland on the border saying, don't come to Maryland. We don't want you. And the legislature stands there like, uh, you know, somebody with their thumb in a pie wondering, gee uh, why is that well it's because of what you guys did so roll up your sleeves do your job get in there and fix it and uh, you know the 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 world is just so I talked about the world without limits it is without limits economically and we need to just uh, give them that little bit of uh, TLC and uh will be okay as a state and i think there will be all sorts of millennials coming to maryland and locating here either as residents or as entrepreneurs because of what we do about craft beer
1: well look at salisbury that's the perfect case study i mean they've seen the median age drop in the town of salisbury where evolution is is located i remember mayor jake day he did that wonderful presentation at the first task force meeting talking about how evolution craft was an integral part of the revitalization of salisbury is as a place where people don't want to leave when they grow up they want to come back
2: whenever i'm in a maryland community that's a little bit on its heels economically i say get a distillery get a brewery get a winery an urban winery put it in here it'll uh, be a catalyst for strengthening your community
0: i think that is the perfect note to end on Um, so thank you so much for coming out and talking to us thank you liz for coming and helping me out Everyone, go talk to your legislators. Show your support for uh, the craft beer industry. And thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Cheers, Liz and Chris. Thank you.
0: The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.